Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this podcast during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, a famous anthropologist and writer, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak with my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. We still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. My mom is Jamaican American. I'm a fourth generation teacher. My mom is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica for 20 years and in New York City for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. Then she stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to work in the late 1800s. Ironically, my mom began teaching long after she got married in the late, late 1900s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Yolanda Moreland. And where are you from and where do you live? Well, uh, currently I live in Chandler, Arizona. Um, I was born in California on Travis Air Force Base, but I call California, I call Panama and Florida my home. Uh, my mom's from South Carolina, so I call that home too when I'm there. <laughs> but but Arizona is where I live. I love that. And how do you identify? Do you identify as Black American, African American, Caribbean? Well, I tend to identify as Black, and I also identify as Panamanian or Caribbean. Um, I tend to find that I. I feel limited sometimes when I add African to the back to the end of something. So yes, I am black, but I also consider lots of people from other countries black. So black American would be one label, but I choose a more global view and approach. So I'm black and I'm a black woman and I identify as a black woman. And so what is your ancestry? You mentioned Panamanian? Correct. Uh, my father's from Panama. Um, his original family lineage goes back to the West Indies, to Jamaica and to, um, oh, I believe it is 
Trinidad? Not quite sure. But it's the Caribbean, the West Indies. And his father went to Panama along with my grandmother from Jamaica. They moved to Panama. And so my father was born there. So oh. I feel at home when I'm at Panama. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I'll ask you, what was it like for you living in the pandemic? Do you want to start in 2020 and then 2021? Sure. So 2020, well, can I start back a little bit in 2019? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because in 2019, I know that there were a lot of small stories that are cropping up about you know, health issues and worrying. Back then, the big fear was flu season and whether people were going to get immunized for the flu or not, or vaccinated for the flu or not. Uh, and I wasn't worried about that really, because I thought it's a flu. As a microbiology major, you know that the flu virus is a virus. So there's not really a way to fight that necessarily. They can give you something that will let your body be prepared to fight whatever flu strain you seem to get or con or come in contact with. But ultimately it's your body. As long as you stay healthy, you can combat most viruses, but they have to run their course. So that was fine. But there was always this kind of underlying, oh, somebody had the virus and it lasted just a really long time. They didn't know what it was. It wasn't really the flu because they weren't sick. And at the same time, they would have these lingering like coughs. Never really thought about it. Just chalked it up to, wow, it's just a really unfortunate flu. And maybe you were just really run down. Mm. When they finally started to talk about it being uh, coronavirus, then things started to get a little more difficult because then it was, then we had to think about public safety and what's best for our children and what is best for our families and who is getting the vaccine first and who's not getting vaccinated and all of that. Well, from the start, I realized we should wear our masks anyway. So I was wearing the mask. I was in full support of a mask and washing hands just because that helps reduce contagion in general. Mm. So that was going to be beneficial all around for the population. Uh, when we were told that we weren't coming back to school and we were going to be online, that's when I first started to realize, okay, as a teacher, how do we do this? Because it's very sudden. I know that as an adult, I was having a hard time coping with the fact that my routine was going to change. And I was starting to think about what are my students going to feel like, especially because That means that they don't leave their house. And I think a lot of the students were struggling with that at first, uh, just like I was. And adding a new dimension to that was having my own son at home with me, who was also going to school, but he was going to be at a different school while I was teaching at the same time. Mm. And it was, it put an interesting dynamic on our little living room because I would be teaching on one side of the living room and he would be enrolled in his school program on the other side of the living room. And so many times uh, our voices would overlap. I remember quite a few times 
having to pause my class and tell my son that he could help his teacher with some technology glitches because we were all struggling. It was, it was that kind of feeling. Um, it was just, and I found that I realized I needed to reach out to my students and I wanted to reach out to them. So I started looking at ways to connect with them via social media. At the time, TikTok became this popular thing. So I started with TikTok. Originally, I was just trying to reach them and say, hey, I see you guys. I believe in you. Keep working because I know that this is difficult and we'll get together soon. And I was getting positive responses because the students were finding me on TikTok and they were so excited. They said, I saw your TikTok. I said, great. <laughs> uh, little did I know that I would take to it and really find a good community of other teachers as well. And they could, we could commiserate together. We could talk about the frustrations of not being able to reach our students or struggling with the technology uh, together as well as the student struggles and trying to reach them. Um, some of them emotionally, I think, didn't really come back from, from that quarantine um, situation because now we're in 2022 and some of our students still are emotionally just struggling. Mm. This is the end of our school year and I still feel like I feel like I didn't reach as many students as I wanted to. And I feel like creating that rapport with them was a little bit halted because we were caught in a crossroad of trying to keep it business as usual at school. And at the same time, trying to uh, give, our give our students some coping mechanisms for social emotional learning. And, and I think I personally, I feel like I fell short. I feel like if I had to do it again, I think I would have spent more time on the social emotional aspect and maybe made more of my class time that initially in the school year, instead of trying to get the curriculum started right away. Oh, because we didn't know how long we would be at home. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and here in Arizona, the push was to get our students back into the classroom right away. So in that interim, I was doing a hybrid class where I had uh, students in my classroom, but I was also teaching online. In 2020 or 2021? 2021. Well, the, at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. So wasn't that hard? Didn't you have them on a screen? And you had I did. I, I had two screens in my classroom. So I had the students in front of me that were in person. I had a screen to the side and I had my direct laptop screen in front so that I could show them what I was teaching to the kids in person. And at the same time, I could also monitor if they were on the screen or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking, um, especially at first it wasn't. I think the curiosity of the students who were at home 
was to see what we were doing in the classroom. I think there was a little bit of nostalgia that they missed. And so they were ready, they were really ready to see what was going on. And I tried to keep that interaction as light as possible. Mm. Uh, once they realized though, that they could chat with their classmates that were in person, then it became, oh, well, I don't need to have my screen on. So they would pop the screens off and on. And a few times I did have to mute the chat <laughs> because they were just having their own conversations. And I'm thinking, no, 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 none of that pertains to the science that we're talking about at hand. So it was interesting. Um, but what I will say for all of the negatives, the positives were that it gave me time to be home. And I know that sounds really strange, but as a teacher, for nine months out of the year, your classroom is your home that takes priority, at least for me. Uh, and then you try to regain some semblance of a home life during the summer times. Uh, this time being at home was very convenient because I could set up WebEx tutoring times. So that left me to have lunch with my son. And, you know, even though it's a, it's just a half hour to an hour, there was something really special in that bond and opening that communication. He's only 10, but it was such an important part, I feel, for us at the time. Uh, it also let me be more of like a homemaker. I could start laundry and then go back and tutor, or I could start dinner and then we would have dinner as opposed to rushing around at the end of the day. Oh, so it, it, it gave us a lot of help. So were your students required to keep their screens on when they were at home? No, they were not. At first we thought they should be, um, but our governor uh, mandated that it was not necessary and it was not mandatory to keep the screens on. Did, so, yeah, I was teaching college and they said it was to protect their privacy. Did they give you a reason why? Uh, they did. They said it was it was for privacy reasons. Yeah. Um, but I think the hard part was we had both ends of that spectrum. We had students that had multiple siblings at home if we, if you tried to get them to ask a question or answer a question, you could hear all kinds of uh, noise in the background. And you're thinking to yourself as a teacher, how can you possibly focus in that environment? And then at the same time, we had students who were decorating their bedrooms with LED lights and stuff to turn on their cameras. And they would show us like their pets and one <laughs> One little boy showed me his little sister and I was like, oh, this is great. However, I'm asking you a question about physics. Could we, could we talk a little bit about physics? That would be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I understand that. I respect their privacy. Um, and like I said, having my son here in the same room as I, because this was where our USB connections are, I could understand how it would be a difficult environment, especially if you have multiple kids, all with computers, 
all trying to find a space to do their learning. So can you describe um, 24 hours in a day when you were at home teaching? Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, 24 hours in a day, we would get up in the morning. Uh, my department chair was really good about deciding that we would either meet before our classes online or directly after because we had the last hour prep. So most of the time we would meet as a group on Zoom or on WebEx again at the end of the day. But um, I would start in the morning and get my son started for his classes because I teach junior high and he was at elementary school. Uh, elementary starts before my classes. So I would get ready for my classes and then I would always hold tutoring time or appointments after school got out. So that way students could focus on doing their classwork and working together. We would have uh, time set up on Zoom for all of the classes to open up at their specific hours, which I liked. And then they were free to leave when I dismissed them. And I would always dismiss them with about a five minute window so that they could go to the restroom or get refreshments or just stand and stretch and kind of detach from the computer screen for a little bit before they went to their class. Um, once that was done, we would have our lunch for the half hour and um, I would go back on. And if I had any students that had questions, I would usually answer them during that time as well, especially if we were doing an assignment that was due. I just wanted to be as accessible for them as possible. And then after school, uh, we would meet as our department, kind of go over things that we would missed or anything that we might have uh, forgotten to mention, um, any upcoming announcements that we should be making to our students. And then I would have more tutoring hours afterwards until about 5 p.m. So once I did that, then I would just close down for the day and grade everything that was online. Wow. And then you cooked dinner. Was your husband also working at home or no? No, thankfully he is, he was considered a, um, an important employee for his job. And so he worked in a warehouse. So they had enough spacing that they could work and he worked through the entire pandemic. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you're at home all day, every day for a year at least? Ex exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, But it was good. I love that. Yeah. And then you mentioned you're a microbiologist and you took the virus seriously. Do you want to talk about that? Like why you took it seriously? Sure. Well, I, I realized that from a scientific standpoint, uh, you know, viruses are difficult to, you know, maintain, let alone control. And the biggest problem is that they have the ability to regenerate and mutate. So you can have different strains, various strains in a short amount of time. If everybody was on board with the protocol of washing the hands and keeping the distance and staying inside or masking up, 
I think that it would have reduced the amount of strains that we would have experienced in such a short amount of time. But I'm also, you know, wise enough to know those strains would mutate and happen regardless of how much we had tried to do our protocol. I was just looking at how many people were going to fall susceptible to the different strains. Um, so when they started talking about needing to wear a mask, I was definitely on the front line of, yes, everybody wear a mask. Yes, we're all going to wash our hands and we're going to stay hydrated and we're going to take all of our vitamins. Mm. Um, and we have, we have friends who believe that and we have friends who didn't agree with that. And I was okay with it because I thought, all right, this is your idea on staying healthy. This is my idea on staying healthy. Um, and I didn't really push to, to enforce or separate or isolate other people because they thought differently from us. Um, to this day though, when I go to my classroom, even though in Arizona, you are not required to wear a mask to go into the classroom. I have classes of 35 students who all sit in front of me and the exchange, I still wear my mask. Even though I'm fully vaccinated, um, I've had the booster shot. I still feel that it's one modicum of safety that I can keep going. And so I, I'll continue to wear it. Absolutely. So since, well, in the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't, well, I didn't know how the virus was spreading. So I would clean all the groceries with like Clorox wipes. Did you do that? I did not. What I did was I took my own bags though. And I, uh, I'm very, I'm a very big proponent of not using too many uh, plastic containers. So as soon as we got home, the fruit would go into my cloth bags and I would wash them in the sink with the vegetable wash or the fruit wash. Uh, as far as food went and grains, I would put them into our own containers. So I was opening them up, putting them into their own containers in our house to use. And I would just get rid of the single use stuff right away. Wow. And were the grocery stores in Arizona, do they have special hours or lines? They, we had lines. In fact, uh, one of my TikToks, one of the first TikToks I had made uh, was me waiting in line. I had gone to our grocery store four mornings in a row at 4.30 in the morning. And there was already a line down and around the building to get one package of toilet paper. <laughs> and when I did get one, I was so excited. I felt like one of the characters in Roald Dahl's Willy Wonka in the Ch Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I was just like, oh, I got the golden ticket. And so I literally was dancing in the parking lot, showing my package of toilet paper to, to the side that said, I have the golden ticket. <laughs> but it put, it put a lot of things in perspective for me because as I walked through the grocery store, it was sparse. I had taken, I remember I had only had one shock like that before when we moved from Panama back to the United States. 
I went through the first grocery store when I was about 12 and all of these different children's cereals were in the cereal aisle. And it was like going to Disney world for me because I had never seen so many different types of cereals, so many options. And I remember that feeling because that was the exact same opposite feeling that I had during this COVID time, because they would only let so many people into the store at a time. When you walked in, they told you, you could only get so many items and you couldn't get duplicates of the items because of the shortage. And there were people, I would watch people trying to sneak double items. I was looking at things that had been picked through, picked clean. And it just, it was a desolate feeling because by the time you got done, even though you picked up the items that you knew you needed for your family, there was still that scarcity. And it made me appreciate everything that we have again now. Yeah, yeah, you're reminding me that we weren't, we could only buy one roll of toilet paper. Like we couldn't buy duplicates of anything. Right? Yeah. So it was huge to get that package of toilet paper. That's right. And they ran out. Yeah, you're, yes. you're helping me remember the stores ran out of toilet paper for a while. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and there were people that were offering to sell rolls of toilet paper in the, in the parking lot because they had toilet paper and we didn't. It was crazy. <laughs> it was just crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I'm remembering like the the funny memes online about mm-hmm. yeah, getting toilet paper. Yep. Feeling like you were the king of the world because you were able to buy eggs and milk and toilet paper at the same time. So are you now fully in person or Oh yes, we've been for some time. When did so, you transition? Was it in the fall of 2021? Uh, actually, we transitioned before that. We transitioned towards the end of 2020, where we were back in school, because that's when I was doing the hybrid. The fall of 2021, when we started school, everybody was back. Oh, so were they social distancing in the classroom? It was a suggestion, but it kept changing. Let's, let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because they told us, yes, you should social distance. But in the average classroom, especially in my classroom, there is no way to social distance that many students. Mm. Not really. So then the three feet became a suggestion. You could do anything from 18 inches to three feet. So that was how we allowed it. So in my classroom, I would arrange the students so that one sat on the front side of the table, one sat on the back end of the table. And we would just stagger all of the students all around the classroom. What type of science class did you teach? I teach seventh grade science. So it's fun. It's an adventure. (laughs) Seventh grade is definitely an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is an it is 
Ooh, sometimes it is next level. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then other times you realize they just, they just want you to, they just want to see you. They just mm -hmm. want to be seen and acknowledged. Do you have any memorable stories that you want to share about living during the pandemic? Let's see. Uh, I can tell you that um, our son, my son's birthday is in the summertime. And it's, it's always one of the hottest times of our summer, especially out here in Arizona. So during that first time of COVID, we weren't sure what to do uh, because he doesn't get to celebrate his birthday at school. And even now he was even more isolated. So we decided that we were going to have a drive-by party. So his, dude, the, his friends would come in their cars, they decorated the cars, and they would play loud music and celebrate as they passed by. They, the kids were allowed to get out. We had them socially distance on the sidewalk. So they would come in, put their present in one area, come over and grab water balloons to toss at our son. And he had a water gun to reply back. And then we gave them on another area of the sidewalk, we gave them their snack bag. Thank you for attending. And they got back in their cars and they drove off. We did this for about four hours. Hands down, it was the best birthday party I have ever had. <laughs> and I have ever hosted. Our son loved it. His friends loved it. The parents were really excited by it. And at the same time, everybody felt like they attended a party. They did. Yeah, it was one of my small victories. I was really very happy. And it was so nice for him to see all of his friends. Um, and that started what I called the, the Kindness Act project that we would have, where he and I would just go to the grocery store and grab some packages of popsicles and put them in our coolers. And we just drove around to his friend's houses and we texted them and said, hey, are you home? We have a popsicle for you. And it was just that simple act. I mean, they stood in the driveway at the end of the driveway and our son Tristan would give uh, his popsicle to, to the friend and they ate it and we stood and talked for a little bit and then we drove on to the next. Um, it was just those little things that I think really helped him get through what was a, clearly an isolating time frame. Oh, I love that. The kindness project. Mm -hmm. oh. And so now that you're back at work, do you have to do a health survey in the morning to say like you weren't exposed to anyone with COVID symptoms? We did for several weeks. Um, we don't now. Uh, because they have determined that Maricopa County is within uh, guidelines for monitoring. There's enough people that have been vaccinated and boosted and the COVID cases are not as high. Okay. So they have, they have dropped that, mm -hmm. but we did, we had to fill out an attestation. If we felt bad, if we felt poorly at all, we had to notify our nurse and the school nurse would come 
to us or we went to them and she would do a rapid test on us. And then that was it. If the rapid test came back positive, you were not allowed to go back to your classroom. You were sent to go get a follow-up test. Mm. It, it made you second guess yourself though, every morning. I, I remember waking up going, huh, do I have, do I have a cold? Do I have a sniffle? Is this a headache? If I coughed once, I was like, oh no, should I tell you? <laughs> and most of the time it was, it really was nothing. So it was, but it was good that everybody was alert. Definitely. Now that it's allergy season, people are coughing and right. And they're wondering, is it COVID or is it allergies? Exactly. So I just keep, I find myself wondering, okay, do I have a fever? No, no, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, oh, and then I usually ask people if they sadly lost someone, would you like to memorialize and share about them? Well, I would, I would love to say that I know for a fact that the people I know and have lost died from COVID, but I do not know. It's very, I will say looking back now, it's very circumspect that the two people I think that I have lost, like one was my cousin, Rick or Ricky. Yeah. Um, it, it, there was just, he happened to be in the hospital at this particular time and passed away. My uncle, Walter Tedder had uh, gone into the hospital as well and passed away. And I'm, and we think that it was COVID related. Uh, but again, it's one of those things that looking back, I'm thinking that it was, but we don't really know. Yeah, you're right. I do remember my mom visited Ricky in the hospital. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he was sick for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, I have to hope, and I feel bad because I saw, and we, I have several friends who are nurses and they talked about the isolation that one goes through as you, as you have COVID and just not being able to be with your spouse mm. or your loved one. And in those times when that's when you need them the most, or that's when you'd want to see them the most would have to be heartbreaking and, and almost soul rending on, an, on just the basic level mm. uh, so I, I just have to hope that both of them knew how much they were loved and how much that the rest of the family talked about them and, and sent prayers their way. Mm. Um, because I would not wish that on anyone. Right. Yeah, it was a very sad time. It was. Um, but I, I am grateful because it opened up some dialogue that I had never thought to have with my son um, about loss and about remembrance. And, uh, and it, it also opened up some honest dialogue between myself and my husband, Ryan, because I thought, wow, I got COVID just before fall of 2021. Oh. I had been doing all of the things. I had been doing them right. And I remember I had a headache and thought, well, it's probably just sinuses. And um, 
because at the time there was a wildfire burning near our town in Arizona mm -hmm. from the heat in the summer. And so I thought, okay, all of that debris is in the air. It's probably what's bugging me. And then two days later, I woke up and something had happened. I don't remember now. I think maybe my son had walked in and had taken off some old basketball shoes or something. And he's like, "Woo, those are terrible. And I said, what are you talking about? And that's when I realized, okay, I can't smell your shoes. Oh, I wow. think I should go get tested. And for the first time, I was really afraid because I thought back to the previous 24 hours and how close I had been with him and with my husband. And so I said, nope, let's get in the car. As soon as class was done, I said, let's get in the car and let's go get tested. I took my test and I made them test my son, uh, fully expecting for both of us to be positive for COVID. And the next day they sent the results and he was negative. And I was like, whoo. So I was expecting mine to be negative. And instead I was positive. Wow. Yeah. So I was quarantined in my master bedroom and my son and my husband basically had the run of the rest of the house <laughs> for 14 days. And of course, it was the last 14 days before school was going to start. Oh my so goodness. all the time that I would have used to lesson plan and get ready, I was spending just trying to recover. Now, thankfully, I believe the vaccinations helped me because... I did not end up going to the hospital. Um, I was able to stay healthy and get started and start eating food and fluids mm -hmm. right away. Thank goodness. I, hmm? No, thank goodness. Oh yeah. So it was, it was good. So I was able to come right back to school in time and on time with all of the students and start back teaching in person. And that was it. Oh, thank you for sharing that with me. Absolutely. We are hopefully moving in a direction of awareness and less people getting sick. So yes. fingers crossed. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, you know, I just wanted to share that we met in Panama, right? Yes, yes we did. Union. Yes. My mom is best friends with Arian's mom. And I think- Right, who's my cousin. Yeah, Arian's your cousin. Yeah, Arian and I grew up together since we were kids. So it's like we're cousins. Oh, wow, well, see. And you fit right in with our family. Yeah, I love Panama. It was great. We had such a wonderful time. I hope you have another family reunion. I'd love to come. That would be awesome. I think that would be great. And if we do, I'll be calling you myself. <laughs> oh, I'll be yeah. like, girl, come on. We got to go to the reunion. Yes. And eat <laughs> all the wonderful food, the P.O. P.O., the arroz right. I miss that. Right? All of it. <laughs> and the dancing and the music and the culture. It's just, I cannot tell you how proud I am. Uh, of my heritage and and of our country and just how we're doing yeah 
I love it. Well, thank you for your time. I, I am truly honored to be a part of this. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I think everyone has a story to tell and I just love listening. So thank you. And I'm grateful that you decided to take this on. Um, you know, Zora did it for a reason and I'm so grateful that she did. And I believe that you did it for a reason. And again, I'm very grateful. I hope that the Smithsonian does accept it. And heartily, because our voice does need to be heard. Our story needs to be heard, especially in this time where people are trying to define themselves and, and, and also establish who they are. Mm. This will be a very good guideline for that. Oh, thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Yeah. As I say, from your lips to God's ears. So. Okay. <laughs> all the time. All the time. <laughs> Uh, well, enjoy your day. You said you're two hours earlier or three? Well, we're three hours. Oh, so, oh, so you have a lot Yes. <laughs> so we're good. I hope that you have a good rest of your night. Thank you. I will. Thank you. All and right. I'll, I'll be in touch. Thank Bye. you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Yolanda in Arizona. If you would like for me to have a conversation with you about your experience living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic and you identify as Black American, then you can reach out to me. You can email me. My name is Sonia Killebrew at gmail.com. You can also send me a direct message on Instagram through the account Black America and COVID all one word, all lowercase. And if you DM me, then we can schedule a time to have a conversation on, on a audio video platform. Well, thank you for listening. My name is Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID.